Hello and welcome to episode 43 of Spooky Gals, the podcast where we explore all sorts of real-life paranormal and creepy occurrences, from ghost sightings and hauntings to reported alien and cryptid encounters, myths, folklore, legends and more. Every week we cover a different true spooky story. We're your hosts, I'm Katrina. And I am Jasmine. Good evening. Good night, really, from Hong Kong. It's very late for once. It is. It's very It's very late, both with the episode and time-wise. <laughs> it wouldn't be an episode if we didn't apologise for how late it was. You know? Absolutely. That's so true. We're very sorry, guys. Um, all we can say is that there is a good reason. Uh, it might rhyme with um, Balloween special. We didn't completely abandon you. No, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just evidently we can only record one thing a week. <laughs> so, um, yes, we we did do a Halloween special. We're keeping the details hush, hush. Um, but it's an awesome surprise and it will also be an awesome surprise for the Patreon um, yes. listener slash viewers. They will be viewers for this Halloween yeah. special. Hint, hint. Hint, hint. But yeah, we're really excited. It was, we had we had an amazing time, but yeah. we are both busy. Jasmine has started a new job Woo-hoo. and I still have lots of university work to do so, and work and, um, and I need to fit in that crying time. So really been very pushed. Can't miss that. <laughs> but we're still here, still kicking. Just about. Um, yeah, so uh, <laughs> about 15 minutes ago, I just chomped down on my bottom lip so hard that I'm surprised I still have a bottom lip. Um, so if I sound a little bit <laughs> like I'm slurring or in some way impeded by something in my mouth, don't worry, it's just my face. It's just the blood. <laughs> It's just the blood, the blood coagulating in my in Gross. my face flesh. Yeah, delicious. Mm. Um, you still finished that enchilada, though. I, you know what? I didn't. Yeah, I still have two pieces of of it to go. Oh no, it's fine. My nemesis. So, on the subject of my bleeding face, I will once again be doing the episode this week. Today, it's it's quite it's quite an interesting one. It's something different. I think something abnormal to hear about on a podcast like this but it's still relevant don't worry i'm so excited i can't wait to hear what it's about but just before we must thank our newest patrons caitlin stemple and hannah rougeau thank Thank you so much there will be a new patreon episode just for you Thank you, guys. Oh, my God. We're getting new patrons when we've been this negligent of you. There will be there'll be a new Patreon episode very, very, very soon. But uh, yeah, thank you so much, guys. It really does mean so much to us. It really <laughs> does. Um, yeah. As they say in Asda, every little helps. <laughs> I feel like I feel like messaging us is just as nice as getting money from people. <laughs> Is it though? I mean, give me both. Um, <laughs> please give me both. But but yeah, we appreciate any sort of support. But let's get into it. I can't wait to hear what this is about, Jasmine. So uh, this week's episode is about a mysterious disease called Kuru. Ooh. I'll explain, but uh, 
It's not your regular kind of brain-eating bug, I'll tell you that much. Um, oh, nice. Nice, nice, nice. Yum. Warnings. Uh, anyone who is squeamish, there is quite a lot of description <laughs> in this. It's 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 a bit of a biological episode. We're going a little bit educational, okay? So there will be some mentioning of various body fluids and um, organs and, of course, death. Uh, so beware. I just did a trigger warning of my own volition. I've never done that before. Incredible. Jasmine hates trigger warnings. Jasmine just want to upset everyone. <laughs> I want everyone to cry. That's all I want. Yay. Uh, my sources for this one are mainly medical articles. Um, I don't even know the name of these websites. Um, CIDRAP.UM.EDU. <laughs> um, um, statpearls.com. Journals.PLOS.org. And two articles from NCBI, which I'm guessing are, they're all kinds of universities and, and stuff, but okay. Though the worst may be over, or so we think, the world continues to battle COVID-19. It has splintered families, taken lives, and disrupted the norm for almost two years now. Like most airborne viruses, COVID-19 seems here to stay, with the vaccines offering only temporary relief. This is true for most viruses. The flu, for example, requires a new vaccine every year to keep up with its ever-changing mutations. It does not become eradicated each year, but merely changes itself to evade our immune system. Contagious disease in general can be incredibly difficult to eradicate. In fact, only rinderpest and smallpox are considered totally eradicated. The rest are merely controlled diseases, such as those caused by the Ebola virus or the Yersinia pestis bacteria, which long-time listeners will know causes the plague, which is my favourite disease of all time. Now, to be infected with a contagious disease, you categorically must come into contact with the germs of the infected. So this can be something such as inhaling sneeze droplets or catching a highly contagious MRSA infection from contaminated surfaces in your local gym. Which is why I don't exercise. <laughs> but since this is Spooky Gals and not a microbiology podcast, today we are looking into a paranormal disease. A contagious, deadly disease which controls your mind and renders you helpless. Its mode of transmission? A curse. Oh my god, what? <laughs> I'm really, really sorry for any um, hypochondriacs listening. This will not make you feel any better. Um, just turn it off. Just turn this off. It's self-care. I think I might turn this off. Catty's <laughs> not allowed to. I feel like every week I talk about something which is specifically offensive to Katrina and that is not on purpose. <laughs> it's not a purposeful move. Mm. It's not vindictive. It's just what I'm interested in. Okay. And I love, I've always loved weird diseases. I think they're so, so, so cool. Here we go. In the early 1900s, a mysterious disease emerged which had no known origin. It occurred in Papua New Guinea and affected only one remote tribe, the Foray people. 
This disease guaranteed death, even with treatment, within two years from the onset of symptoms. These would start with mild headaches, joint stiffness, abdominal pain, and lethargy. However, within 4 to 40 years of experiencing these nascent symptoms, the afflicted would find their condition taking a sharp turn for the worse. They experienced symptoms akin to a neurodegenerative disease, losing control of their muscles and limbs from the midriff down, causing patients great difficulty when walking. Their bodies developed a tremor throughout, a kuru in the native language, which is the name given to this mystery illness. It causes victims to laugh uncontrollably or hyperextend their fingers, toes and wrists in an unnatural manner, frightening their family members. This was mistakenly considered Parkinson's disease in many cases, but the strange proliferation of it specifically in female members of the affected population ruled that out very quickly. As the disease digs its claws in, the second stage starts with an inability to stand unaided then to sit unaided, before finally you lose all ability to stand or move. The terminal stage renders the patient catatonic, incontinent, and unable to swallow even basic fluids as they lose control of their smaller muscles in their bodies. They suffer spontaneous and uncontrollable muscle spasms, which would be excruciatingly painful, both for loved ones to witness and to experience. At this closing stage, the condition causes the immune system to fail. Many tribes people died of pneumonia or other simple illnesses due to their totally shattered defenses brought on by Kuru. The foray suspected that it was a curse placed on them by an enemy. A would-be sorcerer living nearby could gain a part of the victim's body nail clippings, hair, feces, saliva, partially consumed food, even a bit of clothing. These items were then enclosed in leaves and bindings and made into a kuru bundle, which was then placed in the swampy ground. As the bundle disintegrated, the characteristic kuru tremor would be registered in the victim's body. Divination rituals were sometimes enacted to identify a sorcerer. If a suspect approached the corpse and it emitted bodily fluids, which sometimes does happen after death, the guilty person was found. Another divination method was to place hair clippings from a Kuru victim into a bamboo cylinder and a freshly killed possum in another. Then by calling the name of the suspected sorcerer. If the possum meat remained uncooked, it was thought that the sorcerer's location was identified. These divination rituals, in general, identified places of residence rather than the specific names of individual men. The disease continued to spread until 1955, when Frank Earl an emergency medical practitioner suggested that Kuru might be a form of encephalitis. Despite it being glaringly obvious now, one of the medics who first discovered Kuru explained in 2000 that anyone, 
even completely drunk, would come to the conclusion that a disease endemic among cannibals must be spread through eating corpses. Endocannibalism, the eating of relatives, was a component of South Foray morning rituals, in contrast to exocannibalism, the eating of enemies. By the 1950s, cannibalism in the North Foray was ceased, but it was still practiced surreptitiously in the South. When a body was considered for human consumption, none of it was discarded, except the gallbladder, which was too bitter to eat. In the deceased person's old sugarcane garden, maternal kin dismembered the corpse. They first removed the hands and feet, then cut open the arms and legs to take the muscle. Opening the chest and belly, they avoided the gallbladder. Next, they severed the head, fracturing the skull to remove the brain. Meat, viscera and brain were all eaten. Even the marrow was sucked from the cracked bones and sometimes pulverized and cooked with green vegetables. Oh, well, that's all right then. Yeah. You know what? If you're gonna, <laughs> it's pretty resourceful, in my opinion. You know, I reckon... No, I'm so, I'm so like, no, I just... I feel like there is... Mm, there's something no. to be said about eating eating people, but also eating your family. That feels especially... Yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Like... Yeah. Uh, I mean... Like, butcher, like literally butchering mm-hmm. grandma. But you know what? It is It is a cultural practice in some places, and I feel like... Okay, if it's literally to survive. Yeah, but... Like, but the problem is, I think that when you eat people who are related to you, you might cause something to happen in your own body chemistry. All I can think of when I think of cannibalism is the um, the Johnny Depp um, Cholin Chocolate Factory. Okay. <laughs> where he's like, everything in this room is edible children. Even I am edible, but that's generally frowned upon in most societies. <laughs> I mean, it's not wrong. Um, but yeah, please don't eat your family members. Please don't do it. It's not very nice. Okay, so. Kurum is a kind of prion disease, also known as spongiform encephalitis, which develops when prion proteins in our brain lack... which develops when prion proteins in our brain cells lack vital acids and cause them to fold abnormally. These defective cells then infect neighboring healthy ones, creating copies of its malformed genetic code to spread, killing neurons and nerves slowly before eventually taking your life. All prion diseases are incurable. And yes, it was through cannibalistic rituals, not sorcery, that Kuru in particular devastated the foray, specifically through devouring infected brain tissue of one's relatives. When the brains were eaten as part of the morning ritual by women and children, the diseased prion cells they ingested would trigger the same response in their own cells, proliferating yet more abnormal prions and perpetuating this deadly cycle of Kuru all over again. When cannibalism was outlawed in the mid to late 1900s, Kuru vanished from the population, 
as their chain of infection had been severed. Whilst other prion diseases do exist, such as hand, foot and mouth disease, Kuru is no longer considered a threat to society, with no known cases being reported in the 21st century. So, as we wage war against coronaviruses, noroviruses, and indeed all pathogenic menaces, we may want to be thankful. After all, the notion of an incurable, slow-moving prion curling its tendrils through your brain, taking over your mind and body, that's far scarier than COVID-19. The end. Eee, that was so cool, Jasmine. <laughs> Creepy. Awesome. Creepy, Creepy brain. I realized that I, like halfway through this, I realized that it sounded really familiar, actually. Mm-hmm. And then um, it it hit me that it, it's what, this is what Jamie Lee Curtis's character in um, Scream Queens thinks that she has in like the third <laughs> season. <laughs> because <laughs> she accidentally ate some brains oh that's cool maybe that's why i was like oh that sounds interesting um i no, like how the brains me. look like spongy and porous mm. and that's why it's called spongiform gross gross gross, yeah. gross i know it's amazing right um makes you wonder about zombies they all have <laughs> yeah it's absolutely horrifying and uh, and then like you mentioned foot and mouth and like I remember when I first found out that that was caused like by farmers feeding cows cows and it's like that's just so mm-hmm. oh horrific I like I was so shocked well yeah I mean like who would even like why well I mean it's an, a natural thing to consume Mm. Not only your DNA, but your own species, I think, for a lot of a lot of mammals. Um, fucks up those genes and um, no. don't don't do it, please don't do it. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed researching that one. Um, again, I was I was quite worried because I did have the tabs open on my laptop <laughs> today when I went into work. And I minimised them and everything, but um, the IT man, of of course, whisked my laptop away to add a bunch of crap like the team drive and the printer and all that other crap. And all I could think was, please don't open Safari, please don't (laughs) open Safari, because you will see that that I've been researching a Mm. deadly brain disease for the past week. But thankfully, I don't think he saw it, because I still have a job. Or he just didn't care. No one's worried that I'm going to eat brains. Maybe he didn't care. You know what? Maybe he was like, sounds cool. I'll read all of it. He did take a very long time to do everything. Maybe he read all my medical journals. You never know. Also, on the subject of Scream Queens. So I was um, watching Halloween in a celebration of Halloween Kills. And then while I was watching that, I saw this other film called Scream, Queen. Mm. And, um, and it's about Nightmare on Elm Street 2. And how it was like considered like the the gayest film, the gayest horror film ever. And I remember hearing about it, but then I watched it and whoo, my God. I don't know if you've ever, ever heard of it before. No? No, but it was, oh, this film was of course the sequel, but they wrote it with a male protagonist 
so a male scream queen, but he wasn't meant to read as gay, but it is full of gay subtext, like yeah. everywhere. Freddy Krueger is literally like in him trying to like get out and he's like he's inside me and he wants to take me again and he's like I'm not that's an actual line from the movie and it's it's just beautiful stuff and at first I was like this is so funny they didn't even realize but then you read that the guy who played the lead character the guy that played the scream queen the male one actually is gay they said that like the film came out right in the middle of the AIDS epidemic and it basically ruined this actor's life. It <gasps> ruined his career no. because they were like, oh, you can't play it in a straight way. So now everyone thinks it's a gay film because you're so gay. And it was just horrible. Jesus. This poor guy. And then they found him in 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 Mexico or wherever, somewhere Spanish like that I don't know Santiago I don't know what they're called I think it was Mexico and he was just like living there with his husband and like completely had fallen off the face of the earth after the 80s but then they made this whole documentary about the making of the film and context of it and this whole idea of the scream queen as being this like bimbo character in a film but then also someone who you could root for and who would get the bad guy and so fascinating to me to look at like how that whole trope has evolved and how we're like oh my god yeah oh my god that's so very sad i didn't even think for one second about like 80s epidemic 80s epidemic wow (laughs) share everywhere no um (laughs) the aids epidemic in context of the of the movie because it would make sense like yeah freddie's the the monster inside trying to get out and kill people. It's pretty... Mm. Mm. Yikes. Yikes. But, uh, I'm going to watch that, though. That sounds really good. Oh, that was so awesome, Jasmine. Uh, oh. But yes, thank you so much for listening and we hope to have you back for next week's episode. If you want to get in touch for any reason, just to say hello or to send us a story of your own true paranormal or spooky experience, please email us at spookygalspodcast at gmail.com. You can also check us out on Twitter at spookygalspod and on Instagram at spookygalspodcast. If you want to support us further, then you can become a patron by going to patreon.com slash spookygals And from as little as $2 a month, you gain access to bonus episodes and other awesome content that we have planned for the future. Thank you all so much, and we'll see you all next time. Stay spooky. Goodbye. And no cannibalism.